Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Jules Gill. Hello. I'm Josh Brown. Hiya. Now, it is the midpoint of the year, so we're doing mm. all sorts of best and worst and most disappointing and most surprising video games. Um, but I want to kick things off with something negative, because I got hardly any sleep last night. <laughs> so, whatever. So, let's do the most disappointing games. We've uh, came together and we've put together a list of about seven-ish games yes. um, that we're just going to sort of rattle through. But I'm going to start with an honourable mention. Um, two of them, actually. One for Crackdown 3, because we never mm. even thought that was going to be any good in the first place. I had some Maybe. expectations for for no, it because didn't. of Terry Crews. Terry Crews makes everything better. He was latched on in the last like two months. And that's when I got interested in him. <laughs> I didn't actually know it was Were you let out. down by Terry Crews? Oh, I wasn't let down by him personally. Although there's that lovely thumbnail image that we've used a few times of him. Where he's like very sad. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like he maybe took it a bit personally. <laughs> and then again, also, he's been very quiet on it. So maybe he doesn't exactly. care at all. I don't think he cares. I mean, he's barely yeah. in it. Like he's in the opening cutscene. You can play as him. He barely mm. says anything. And then that's it. Yeah, so. I think pure speculation, but I assume he did a day's work on it and then was like, okay, I'll collect my check and go. <laughs> away now guys That's, uh, I was genuinely what it feels like and um, the other thing I've got down is Fallout 76 which I thought was this year but turns out it was last year no it's just been an ever long slog <laughs> just, just the continual disappointment of Fallout I mean 76. what you could do is put the game on last year's most disappointing and the roadmap on this year's sure mm-hmm. pretty much every dev doing a roadmap can just kind of get in the bin they're the most disappointing <laughs> I just don't think any of the ro- I've not enjoyed travelling any of these roadmaps I don't know if you guys have well no because the road is still you get there and still under construction I was there's say it's a, a big chasm road. that yeah. you just have to fall into and then yeah. Probably dig her out and then start building it properly. You know when you go over a speed bump that's a little bit too much and you go, oh god, it's that. Yeah. That's no, video no, games. No, that's what they try and sell it as. It's like, oh, there's a few potholes, but don't worry, it's a consistent <laughs> thing. It's like, no, this goes into a portal to another dimension where exactly. cars are even irrelevant. Speaking of a portal to another dimension where things aren't even relevant, Jump Force is our number one. Wow, what a pick, segue! Which is a big bag of something I can't say on the podcast channel. I had to review this game you and did. I was so so disappointed because I'm a huge DBZ fan and I'm a huge One Piece fan and I was just looking forward to having a a game that looked at the time in the footage that we'd yeah. seen looked great into a three-on-three brawl and I thought that this could be like a new sort of and we had DBZ fighters haven't we? Mm, yeah so, so there, there was like a, there was a, um, a sense of expectation that this was going to be a 3D version of mm-hmm. that but it was just cack I remember when <laughs> <laughs> do 
Josh Cack. Josh Cack. I remember when <laughs> we played it. It. Um, what was the thing we went to? Was it EGX? Uh, we went to EGX. Yeah, we went year, to yeah. EGX. And I remember when they, they let us do a hands-on thing. Yeah. Um, and I remember because I think you'd run off down the conference, the the big hall, and you were like, yeah. oh, they've, got, they've actually got jump balls. Yeah, yeah. And I went down, and I thought it was. I was so worried after playing that. I was like, it's not shaping up well at all because they yeah they had Naruto, they got Goku and Vegeta, yeah. everybody from yeah. all these major anime franchises. But it just it does it's playing it. That is the it's, worst. Yeah, thing. it's just it was just lifeless. And the worst thing was is that like the bless the people um, at Bandai Namco, they sent us over the collector's edition of it, like big oh, one. Good. And, and it's amazing, like it's fantastic. I got home, installed it. Oh, I was really hyped to play it. Clicked on the story mode, and like you know that um, that scene from Troll Two where it's just like, oh my, my god, god. Yeah. it was that continuously for about three to four <laughs> Which could hours. be fun, but it's like, I don't know if you've seen the cutscenes, Josh, but like, I have, yes. There are, there's no animation. Just just stock still, like PS2 the, nodding the, your head as they talk. The, the oh. thing that will probably like everyone knows by now is the bit where Freezer is just goes like, ha ha, I will see you later. And literally just lifts up out of the ground <laughs> like goddamn Poochie. Needs me, yeah, yeah. And like, and like there's no, there's nothing, no weight change, there's no nothing. They would actually like, like click and drag him you straight could, That's it, like they made it in dreams where they just sort yeah. of the asset and moved it up oh, and recorded it. it yeah, Jump Force is uh, didn't didn't land very well. No, and I can and I can see why because it was not just the bad cut corners that were cut uh, with mm. the presentation. It was the gameplay itself. It felt incredibly shallow, and I feel like they put a lot of uh, visual flair onto mm. the moves, but there was no. There's no rock, paper, scissor to that game. Like, that's the whole point of a, of a good fighting game. You find mm. your counterbalances or ways to get around it. Mm -hmm. In this one, every character felt the same, even though they did different moves and the different yeah. things. They all did the same amount of damage. Yeah. Everything was kind of fixed. In it was just it was just like weirdly loose. Did you play any game? Well, this is the thing. For me, I come to fighting mm. games mm. only once in a while for Mortal Kombat and Dragon yeah. Ball Z, even play though I'm Mortal not Kombat, good at them. Mate. I'm going to, mate. Thanks. When, when it's down in price. But this, was, this interested me, obviously, because of the crossover appeal but even yeah. when it was first announced I think maybe in E3 or something like that I just thought ooh I've been burnt by these games before yeah. you know you can yeah. tell that the presentation just isn't quite there like you said yeah. corners have been cut and I thought it's getting me in because of the just general interest level but everything about it is screaming to me this could go terribly <laughs> wrong and I gave it the benefit of the doubt yeah. mm -hmm. and you came in and were like it's not great and Scott was like it's a pile and I was like it's, no. it's an absolute pile I mean like oh go on I'm just saying the worst thing is that there was a market gap to be filled because Marvel vs. Capcom, the they dropped the ball with, infi with um, Infinity. Infinity. Yeah. Infinity. And I was like, okay, cool. Maybe Jump Force is going to be this the thing to replace that because DBZ Fighters, mm. like, that was going to be there. Fighter Z, whatever you want to call it. And so I was like, this is going to be great. And it just, oh, <laughs> I kind of, I want a resurgence of the uh, brawler genre um, because yeah. Def Jam Fight for New York is my favorite games of all time. I remembered mm. it when I was doing something. Throwing Snoop Dogg in front of a train. Who doesn't want to do I that? I know. <laughs> and you can play as like Sean Paul or whatever you want to do. Other than maybe they ditched him. Shandabal. Mr. Paul. But um, yeah, they, that game, that that had such great like 3D brawling mechanics, chucking people into walls and yeah. windows and everything else. Just give me that style of arena style combat. There was a game called Marvel Rise of the Imperfect. Yeah. yeah. Not yeah. the best, but there was a whole time back in the 2000s. It's, it's Power Stone. Power yeah. Stone is the king of the party brawler. Like, it's Power Stone and Power Stone 2 on the Dreamcast. If you've not played it, mm, ooh, ooh, ooh. Who on the Dreamcast, mate? You. Stop this. <laughs> Who on the, You and you and 
No one owned it. Yeah, well, I'm just saying it didn't do well. Obviously, no one needs to stick the knife in 25 years later. But I mean, I'm it's just... been in since Sega launched it. I'm waiting for the Sega Dreamcast Mini. That's what I'm waiting for. That, I'll probably get that. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, yeah. then there will ways. literally only be 20 games or so that are worth playing on that console. <sighs> project, no Project Gotham. What was that driving one? I'm doing this now with the, the wheel. Uh, there's a lot of... There's MSR, a lo- no. wasn't it? There's a lot of driving games. There was a driving game that was on Dreamcast that was set up on a demo unit back in like 97. And it was a thing. And of course I know that. Well, you should. As one of the four people who had the thing. Anyway, let's move on to the next game. Uh, I've got uh, Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes, which I think only I played from you guys. I did not play it because okay. of the fact that it looked so abjectly different from the... You're I'm, a huge I fan. Am a, I'm a huge fan of the No More Heroes franchise. And I literally just said, no, I'm not playing this one <laughs> because when they... They, they kind of shot themselves in the foot a lot when they were just going like, boom, it's Switch exclusive. And I was like, ooh, okay, fine. That's an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. But then again, so were the No More Heroes 1 and 2 until they ported them over to the PS3. And I was like... Interesting, and then it was like it's gonna be a do like top down isometric shooter, and I was like, ooh, hard pass. Because mm. because beforehand it was a three D brawler, like you had that whole like makeshift not a lightsaber thing, yeah. Uh-huh. And it was it's where's it the beam? What saber. do you call the dude? The the main is it uh... Travis? Travis touchdown? No, no, no. The main creative director. It's not. Oh, so, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's Suda fifty one. fifty one. And his grasshopper. Yes, Suda fifty one. Because I get him confused with Sweary because they're yes. both, like very yeah, quirky, yeah. awesome dudes. And um, but yeah, like you sort of take the original formula of the those first games and the new one. I just, I was just, the, the reference, it, sh- it should be a love letter to everything that we love about yes. video games. Because there's a yes. whole mechanic in that game where you're just unlocking a series of indie game t-shirts. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they have everything yeah. from like Fury to Meat Boy to whatever. And you're, it's all these references and it's all really well written. There's a whole text-based thing mm-hmm. in it. But mm-hmm. it, again, it plays like complete cack because it's all top down and the animations are really repetitive and that's it to it. All they needed to do is, if they're going to center it in the video game universe, much like how they lampoon sort of action films and gratification of mm-hmm. violence in the first two games, all they needed to do was just have different styles yeah. of it. Like, Which is what they tried to they, do, they, but they it's tried, the same. But they chose yeah. the wrong styles. I feel like there's very easy ways of making a video game about video games and not just doing, I don't know, it felt well, really like lackluster. Yeah, like, the, like the idea was there, but not much thought was put into it. The whole idea of Touchdown being like um, being zipped into this like new hot new console mm. and then he like goes into different genres, but mm. they were all nigh on the same, exactly That's the same. That's what I felt. It was just a bit meh. Um, but yeah, the next one I've got down is Rage 2, um, which I don't know how much you guys agree, but I thought Rage 2 was a categorical misfire. I've had to listen to Rich Hudson try and <laughs> argue with himself about this game. And it's really interesting. It's like watching a man pull himself apart at the seams because he's like, he's like, he's like, oh, it looks really nice. But I don't really like how it's so shallow. But but the gunplay when it's on is really good. But there's not really much to do outside of it. But but the, but you can dress up your car in different skins. But there's nowhere to buy other skins and do it. So yeah, it was like it's weird. Me and him both bought it at midnight. I, I can't. I, I'm. It's my continual battle in this life is to fight the itch that I must play everything at midnight. So like when Rage Two was like when I could preload, I was going to preload Rage Two and I'm getting on the conversation. Like you know, yeah. don't shake your head at me, Josh. Bro. There was no conversation, Scott. Is all I'm saying. There wasn't. Like, but I had a conversation between me and one other person that might play it when I get back in at 9 a.m. that next morning. Um, and so I ended up buying Rage Two, and immediately you could feel that it was just it was like you said, it's just really lackluster. Mm. Like all the best parts of it, which is the core gunplay, um, they just cut it off because they. Yeah. Made it all open world. It's yeah. a whole bunch of outposts to clear out, and every time the combat is just about to click, you're done and go drive somewhere else. And it just doesn't have any sense of flow to it. It's one of those games that would really benefit from being a leveled structure. That's mm. why I thought that uh, Rage, the first one, was only good when you were storming through the quite level-designed outpost right. bases. Bits the in first it. One. Uh, it was it was a fairly it was a it was fairly decent. decent game. The gunplay in it was great, but it just felt a bit lackluster mm. in the story. That's kind of the thing with it, though, because the more you like, it's weird trying to exemplify what makes 
the Rage franchise because mm. like the idea of like open world Doom with like some of the combat from uh, the Mad Max games or whatever is a really good idea. Mm-hmm. But then it's like if you start making it more corridor based or, or level focused or whatever, then it kind of just becomes Doom again. Like obviously minus yeah. aesthetically or whatever. But like the way that it do shooting, they they do one specific type of shooting yes. supremely well. Yeah. yeah. And so like yeah, it was like I don't know what I would want from it. I don't know how I'd fix it because yeah. the stuff that I don't like, if you took it away, it wouldn't even be Rage anymore. This was the like the biggest disappointment of the year so far for me because mm-hmm. I was genuinely looking forward to it. I really enjoyed Rage One. I got that for ten pounds, and it might be the best ten pounds I've ever spent. But uh, <laughs> and so I was looking forward to this. I really excited was going to buy it day one, and then the preview started coming out, and yep. then I got Scott's first impressions, and I just thought, yeah. oh no, how has this gone wrong? Because like you said, <laughs> you got id shooting in an open world with the Mad Max devs doing all the driving Andrew stuff, WK. and Andrew WK on the trailer. Yeah, he's in the credits. He's got to be in there somewhere. Well, he's, is he though? Yeah, like, well, I don't know. That but... field. I feel like the the atmosphere and the vibrancy of those trailers didn't necessarily translate to mm. the actual game itself which no. was quite mundane and by the numbers it was very like spreadsheet well, yeah. Well, yeah. They, they had to try and um, compete with bio, with uh, Borderlands because mm-hmm. the fact that Borderlands has got that sort of like wasteland wacky down and I just felt that they were just going oh god like Borderlands has already done half of the stuff that we want to do how do we do anything more I know let's just be ironic and weird <laughs> and I think so. and I, yeah. every new trailer that came out I was invested less and less because yeah. at first I was like this is colourful this could just be a really cool shooter mm. And just, now it just wants to be Suicide Squad. It's Yeah, and it's like stuff like Suicide Squad or <clears throat> in gaming, something like Agents of Mayhem, where it's like they're trying really hard to be really off kilter and yeah. wacky. And it's like, I'm doing a whole thing at the minute on like trends and formulas that we're sick of. And I think that style of writing is one of the most overdone things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even Mass Effect Andromeda had like hints of it where every character was like, I got this. And they're all like yeah. trying to make jokes about stuff. Um, but yeah, Rage 2, even the opening tutorial and the whole rest of it, it's just, it's a bag. It's mm. a big old I think it is apocalyptic Very bag. funny what you said that when Rage 1 came out, the biggest competition was Borderlands and that completely overshadowed it. Although yeah. it had like a different tone back then, people were still saying, well, it's just a boring Borderlands. Yeah. And now both franchises went away. Now they're coming back at the same time and now people are going, well, I've got Borderlands 3 at the end of the year, yeah, so I, I don't need to buy Rage 2. Pretty much. Um, the next thing down... By the way, end... sorry, mate, you missed oh, out on the joke, which was Snorderlands. I went with Boring Lands, which is just as oh, bad. It's... And the joke King says, which point is he giving it to? Snorderlands. Thank you very much. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. That is fine. I will also recognise Josh being the joke king as the <laughs> fellow take judge or whatever I am. Um, yeah, so um, Jules, you played Left Alive, which was a massive words that I can't say. Again, I I, <laughs> I, I wanted to really like this it's game. It's got Yoji Shinkawa's artwork. Oh, and it's Why so is my boy beautiful. doing bad stuff? It is so beautiful. And the concept of it is actually really interesting that basically you're in a besieged city that's uh, been uh, ambushed. Uh, there's constant like sort of proxy wars going on. He loves, proxy war. loves, loves, loves proxy, proxy wars. Hey. But basically they're in this case you have been trapped in the middle <clears> you're <throat> fighting for one side your uh, allies have pulled out and you've just got to survive that's who you play as okay. one character then there's another character who's like a police officer there who's got to go searching for like missing things all of these things have really interesting personal narratives but the gameplay was absolutely abysmal I think that it, if you're going to make a stealth game make a stealth game don't make a game that is like he's over there behind that box <laughs> five miles away it's like, it's like, how did you know it's like oh. reminds me of Hitman Up solution where they were like the new dis- the new disguise system and if you dress like a construction worker then no other construction that all the construction workers you'll blend in with most of them but some of them some of them have yeah. a neat yeah. vision and yeah. they'll just see you from across the entire city block <laughs> you know, he's over there he's over there and it's like you couldn't possibly have known that it was me a great example of when i realized that this was not a, a, an enjoyable experience was on either the second or third level and i was playing as this female police officer and you go and meet this guy in a barn and the guy goes like and it goes like oh um they're coming they're they're, they're They've set an ambush. It's a trap. You shouldn't have come in here. And I'm like, okay. And then at the top 
corner, I see checkpoints saved. And I was like, okay, interesting. And then the character goes, there's three of them coming in. I turn around and three heavily armed security guards come in. They outclass me on weapons, defense, everything. I cannot kill them. The amount of stuff I've got in my inventory because you've scavenged everything, I didn't have enough. I had a metal pipe. I died <laughs> 15 times trying to do it until I thought to myself, I know what I'll do. As soon as the checkpoint reloads again, I'll run upstairs up this ladder and I'll just hide out. Mm-hmm. Starts to work. See the little like, uh, like uh, the alert level dissipate. And I'm like, I'm, I'm an absolute genius. I'll pop down and I'll do that. I move one step forward and they just go, he's up there! And literally start throwing grenades up at me. I was like, and the grenades landed like, whoop, right where I was. I was like, you guys are just, too, you know what? You've won this. Like, I, I, you know, just wipe out the entire resistance. I am done. I hated it. Like that, it really got me down because like there are elements of that game that are really interesting. The, mm. uh, the anime design is is pretty weird, future tech stuff. The story was interesting mm. enough, and I felt like there was a good direction of the art style, but just oh, I need to gameplay ad- ad- address as well. Like I said, like Yoji Shinkawa is on the artwork, which is like Metal Gear Solid's main uh, art director. Yeah. If you look up Yoji Shinkawa, you'll know his artwork. I Phenomenal. Think. Yeah, great, great guy. And it's like uh, Left Alive. It seems to be come, came from Square Enix. Like it did. That, yeah. What was that stupid thing? The Quiet Man? I know that was from last yeah, year. Yeah, the Quiet Man. But it's yeah. like Square Enix have these weird little, like they'll sack off Hitman and let IO li- like leave with that. Oh, but we're going to have the Quiet Man and then Left Alive, which are horrific. But this is what we were talking about before. I actually will defend Square Enix for their choice and their right to do this because we have, right had, we have had many discussions about publishers who aren't willing to take a risk. True. They are putting mm-hmm. new IPs out all over the place. They're trying. It's just a shame that they, should, they shouldn't really bundle them as full-priced games, in my yeah. opinion. I feel like they should, they should be saying, this is the B team, guys. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just with Left Alive though. Like, obviously, you had Yoji Shinkawa, and like, a lot of the screenshots show mechs. And there's yes. like, there's a, one of the screenshots um, has like some like sort of nighttime infiltration of a big old base with yeah. some spotlights, and there's a mech that he's heading towards. And I was like, ah, it's gonna scratch, hopefully, gonna scratch yeah. the Metal Gear itch, and it didn't at all. It just no. sort of walked away from it and couldn't even like, I don't know, provide anything that was remotely worthwhile. Yeah, so, it was just it was a real shame because there was a lot of promise in that game, and I feel like if they uh, ever came back for a sequel, I would really hope that they'd fix the mm. problems because a lot of people were just like, oh, there's a good game underneath here. It's just buried in a load of cack. <laughs> Nearly all of the ones here were like, oh, conceptually, could have gone somewhere, could have been a yeah. thing, but it plays like... Well, poop. that's why they're disappointing and not outright no, bad, eh? Yes, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We'll do a separate worst one. Um, so the next one down, this might be slightly controversial, but I've got The Division 2, um, which is more Hands personal up, pick for me. not played this one. Josh? Yes, sir? I have played it. Okay. Uh, conflicted on this one, good. again, because, you know, there's a great concept in there, and mm-hmm. I like The Division 1, and I love this version of Washington, <clears> D.C. <throat> in this mm-hmm. kind of weird, dystopian, future-ish setting. But man, it's just like, it's just fast food. It's just mm. inject it into my veins for a little bit. Let me get the endorphin rush of getting a new gun or popping right. off a mission. But once that's done and I've turned off the console, I just, if I forget it all. I've it just so dissipates in my mind. Yes. And then I could go back to it now because I didn't actually finish the main campaign mm-hmm. and play it and have a good time. Mm. But man, I'm, I'm not going to remember afterwards, which I, is such a shame. That's the thing. I question how, like, that's the thing. Like, I've started referring to it as, like, mastication. Like, mastication for the thumbs. Yeah. Mastication is when cows just chew grass for longer yeah. than they can digest it. Turn it into cud. Yeah. <laughs> this is a cud game. Like, yeah. It's its own separate genre. be cud. And it's just, like, that's the thing with this. It's like, yeah, you can go play it and you can shoot some dudes. It's the exact same control scheme as the first time. And it just does feel like you're wasting time. You're going to get anything worthwhile from it. And I just thought that they would do something else, either with the control scheme or with, like, maybe the teamwork mechanics, the group mechanics 
mechanics or whatever. And it's just, it was more of the same to like a painful degree. I know a lot of people really like it um, and I can totally see why. But for me, it was disappointing because I just, you look at those original uh, releases and trailers for the first division and they have a really cool idea. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I just thought they would do more with it. It's so baseline, like that's, lowest common denominator. That's just stuff. really sad because I played the first one when all the DLC came out and got mm. like that gold package or whatever it was. And I actually really enjoyed my time with it, even though the player they're base really, was sort they're of like solid dwindling. Games, but like, if, it, if this is just the exact same, then I don't really feel like I'm going to add anything well, to it. Well, that's it. I was the exact same. I played the first game for about 30 hours. I didn't actually invest in the end game, but I played it on my own, played single player, had a decent enough time, finished it, had a really good Easter week, I remember playing yeah. that for. And then I got this expecting the same thing and then realized, oh, it fundamentally sort of is the same again. That's I'm getting the exact same experience I had two, three years ago, however yeah. long it was. And it's, and that's it's the thing. Sad. Yeah, that's kind of the thing with Ubisoft is that like, obviously we know that they reuse templates and formulas and stuff quite yeah. a lot, but this did feel like glorified DLC. Yeah. Um, to the point where like, you are just sort of checking in with different mission mission givers or whatever. Like it just, it's all very stale. I just, mm. I, sometimes I kind of do that principal Skinner thing where I'm like, is it me? Or is it, or <laughs> is this actually like lackluster? Have the kids changed? Yeah, yeah. The, kid, the kids are out of touch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, uh, you know what? I would have gone back to it, but I was planning on playing it on the original Xbox and for some reason I just looked and played like crap like <laughs> right. there was frame rate kept tanking visual popping all over the place it looked very jagged whether I if I had a PlayStation 4 Pro copy or something and like maybe it was more visually mm. consistent that might have engaged me more but I just thought oh man this this world that they've created is mm. so great. I love the scale of it. I love the atmosphere of it. I love the way it looks. Just the game is tanking every time I get into a fight yep. and the missions are repetitive. And I just thought, I'm fighting against this to have fun. And yeah. maybe they fixed it now. And maybe, you know, it's my fault for playing it in single player because there was a point where I just stopped having fun because I kept dying over and over again. And that is on me because it is sort well, of built for multiple people. But then... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates Fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
don't give me the option, man. Don't yeah. like, yeah. don't don't advertise it. It's like, oh, you can play it single player. Yeah. You can't. Like, yeah. if you go down, there's no one to revive you, and you're stuck. You can equip a thing that'll auto revive you, but if you use that once and get shot again, which like, and it kills you, which it'll happen because you're fighting stuff that's like levels above you. Yeah. You're just boned again. Like th- those trying to play those things single player is the biggest like fallacy that they've ever put out because mm-hmm. it's not remotely fun. Um, actually, we can talk about that for a second. What about those games that um, obviously you can tell that they're trying to sell you on that that one big consistent loop of like get the loot, use yes. the loot, keep exploring, yeah. keep crafting, keep doing this stuff how much do you guys gravitate towards that stuff because i think ubi have like for the people that this works for that's totally the track that they're on but i for me i would be lying if i said that i don't fall into that gameplay loop all the time because i have played every single dynasty warriors game like i i they have crafting and stuff though yeah they've got they've got weapon crafting they've got leveling up they've got like yeah literally crafting boats and 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 even a palm tree and a stone column in one game can you hit someone with a palm tree yes you can (laughs) can we do a series where you just explain dynasty warriors to me i've played since the first three yes well we will sit down and walk through i'll tell you what you know that 24-hour live stream thing we're talking about we want to play the metal good ones we've just changed (laughs) if you you listen to this in the comments bleeding by the end (laughs) Les, what do you think of playing all the Metal Gears in a row in one sitting? Anyway, Karen. So I I feel like I do fall for that gameplay loop quite a lot. And in fact, I do seek it out in games like Diablo. If I know that there's Mm. some sort of like dungeon crawling aspect with character building and progression and and it's all determined by randomized loot, I love that. I feel like that's, I feel like that's, it scratches an itch of, of just growth continual progression yeah. or whatever it's, I used to like that it's why I'm like getting really into uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer mm. again because I know that doesn't have like character progression uh, personal progression in that sense but it has that thing of you're getting better each time and I'm locked in I'm locked yeah in. that that gameplay centric stuff mm. is what I think something like Breath of the Wild nailed where mm-hmm. you're, you have all your abilities at the beginning but you're not good you're not a good hero until yes. like a few hours in that's what I want to see more games doing yeah. as opposed to like here's some higher stats but the gameplay is the same yeah for, for me it kind of works stuff like The Division or even Days Gone this year I played that for 50 hours and really enjoyed the same gameplay loop of you know scavenging getting crafting materials making me a better survivor and the division kind of had that but it just again i had experienced it before in the division yeah. one which was the problem but i i think there's a definitely space for what uh, i like to call podcast games where you can just like <laughs> engage in the yeah. loop and put something else in the background yeah. and that sounds really damning yeah. but they're so mechanically driven anyway yeah. that i don't really need to take anything in like from the story wise or from like the voice acting or anything like that i can just put a podcast on and engage in this loop that is feeding my endorphins and popping off you know the, yeah. the weirdest thing that they've managed to hone in on like it's the video game equivalent of twiddling your thumbs like it's something it's a fidget spinner it's, it's something yeah, to yeah. do yeah. which like is the weirdest like that shouldn't be appealing and like it kind of is but it isn't um you mentioned days gone when i asked you last time if you like Days Gone, your word was F Days Gone. Well, oh, Days Gone is a Days Gone will be on my favorite games of the year list, right? <laughs> really? But you have the most like abusive also, relationship I with do. it. It's the most like twisted thing. It's because Days Gone is the exact same thing. It's just so much video game. And by the time I was done, I was slogging through it, just trying to get to the end. Yeah. And then I thought, I've had my fill of video games. I didn't play anything for about three weeks afterwards. I came back I on my honeymoon. You haven't played anything? No, because I. <laughs> Freaked out on Days Gone, pun intended. Uh, it was just like so much. It was like that loop over and over and over again. And yeah. it was satisfying. But then at some point, you just kind of burn out on it. Like it was a podcast game. Yep. But the podcast had gone on for too long, man. Yeah. That's it what should I'm have saying, ended like, 20 hours consider earlier. Consider me burnt out on that formula. Like the, the craft to explore, to explore, to craft. Like I'm just, I think I'm completely done on that stuff. Um, I think Ubisoft do one of the best versions of it. But yeah, that was the thing yeah. that, for the Division 2 kind of dragged me down. Next thing down, next thing up, up and down is uh, Team Sonic Racing. Which was oh. one of Jules's picks, but I totally concur. Now, this, this 
this is the definition of disappointing because you literally had a game at its pure perfection with Team uh, All-Stars Racing Transformed. Yep. That may well be, if there is a top three of, you know, like, you know, your Mario Karts, your Crash Team Races, Good. your Diddy Kongs and whatever, like, I would actually, pers- personally, for how much enjoyment that I got out of it, it is up there with Crash Team Racing and Mario Kart in terms of the enjoyment that I got with my mm. friends and the racing mechanics, being able to transform your vehicle on the, like, going through different things. I felt that the speed and the aggression of that game was perfectly balanced. Mm -hmm. So how have they managed to take all of that goodwill and all they needed to do was technically add in new tracks and a few new characters. And widen the roster a bit. That's all they needed to do and yet they have just burned it. Instead of trying to (laughs) distill the essence, they've set fire to the goddamn thing, stomped on it a few times and gone, oh crap, that's what I guess we'll sell it anyway. I mean, like the thing that they happened onto, which is obviously what Mario Kart started to do, is is when Mario Kart started, they bring all the the other Nintendo characters in. Yeah. Great idea on Sega's part to do that too. And they had that in the, the All-Stars were just the rest of the Sega roster, yes, the guy yeah. from Jet Set Radio or whatever. And like, do more of that. That was the thing. Yeah. That was the thing you were supposed to be keeping to do. Keeping to do. Mm-hmm. And then you had all these other vehicles as well, like the yeah. uh, the boats and the planes. But t- Team Sonic Racing is the most distilled, watered-down version of that thing. It's just basic kart racing with like only the Sonic roster. Yeah. Which like, how many Sonic characters can we name between us right now? Sonic, Tails, Knuckles. Shadow. Yep. Uh, Cream. Yep. Big the Cat. Yep. I'm out. Good. Uh, the gate vector. Egg no Man. idea. There's the cat. Egg, Egg Man, Man Robotnik. Uh, yeah. Uh, about he, seven. He's the gator vector, I think. Okay. Wait. Um, that green one. The, oh, 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 the uh, Charmy B. Yeah. Nine. Werehog Sonic. That count, that count? <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the point the point Shadow being is, is that we're struggling to <laughs> yes. remember these things. Whereas right? you can just look at a Sega roster and, and just, just go, I know where that person is from. Yeah, yeah. give me plus give me like a Kazama Kiryu from Yakuza in a little car. Yeah. Like flying around. You can do you can do so much with the wider Sega roster. Um but yeah, Team Sonic Racing, I have to be, well, completely cynically for me, I think they named it Team Sonic Racing yeah. because they couldn't call it Sonic Team Racing as in yeah. Crash Team Racing. Yeah. But they totally just tried to get out ahead of Crash by a couple of weeks now, to get in on that whole th- potential zeitgeist. The thing is there are some elements of the game that are interesting like I really like the fact that the idea of racing as a team and pulling your uh, team up using boosts and driving driving in there I think that's a really good touch but it should have just been an additional feature because it feels like the rest of the game as a result is slow it feels so threadbare yeah yeah, there's one there's one type of car I'm not I'm sorry but it's it's the best car (laughs) it's the best car because it's the one that drives over all environments the same Mm -hmm. if you've got a car that renders environmental hazards as completely useless you just, how, how can you beat that? How can you beat this? It's kind of like, oh, I have to take a corner really wide to avoid this ice puddle. Just kind of like, nap, see you later. What, what, what vehicle is this? Uh, it's me driving. Paddling. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, pu- I'm punching through. <laughs> Lindstone's like feet yeah, yeah. yeah, I just, yeah. The, and then the reward system is like this weird little gacha thing where you're sort of like, uh, it's right, not a random, it's yeah, not loot boxes, yeah, yeah. but you're getting little like pods that have yeah. random things in. I just, it felt so misguided, but stuff like the team mechanics was so good. Um, the idea, like the idea of like, you know, being able to pass power-ups between each other or steal them off yeah. people who is are addled with them. Yeah, it's cool revive players like good ideas terribly implemented yeah um, and number one is anthem because although I, the thing with anthem is that it could have gone in my honorable mention mm. because did we ever believe it was going to be good yeah i did yeah i kept yeah i believe in bioware more this. than what they were doing but what do you guys think that's it i held out hope for bioware right. i thought they never really disappointed me yet i thought mass effect 3 was still pretty decent despite the ending andromeda was bad but that was a different team this was the main team or Dragon Age Inquisition back was with right. IP. Yeah. Ah, it was really good it was not really was, good <laughs> it was all right it was game of the year man that Oh, PT I'm, came out in that year. I'm pretty, a demo beat it. 
Yeah. Well, one of the best horror games of all time. I mean, it's, it's not really fair to just reductively call it a demo. But anyway, they haven't disappointed yet until Anthem came around and completely crapped yeah. the bed. Like mm. you said, all the pre-release trailers looked pretty bad. The guys coming out and just showing a demo of flying was not yeah. good or reflective of what you're actually doing. Well, that's because when we found out that we got the game, we found out that... There's nothing to actually do. There's just yeah. the same mission over and over again. You, you, that one you mentioned where you have to like check off a lot of boxes oh, just to progress the, uh, the story. Tomb of the oh, Legionnaires. Tomb of the just, yeah. to, just to extend the um, life of the game, essentially. And we were talking about the Division and stuff before and having that you know repetition of getting good loot and mm-hmm. upgrading your mm-hmm. gear. Mm-hmm. Anthem doesn't even have that. It has such threadbare loot drops and threadbare customization options that... Although the actual gameplay itself is kind of fun, once you've had two hours in it, there's not you've, you've seen feel, everything. Th- that's the thing with those games. I think once you've done, once you've played in those sandboxes for like half an hour or an hour, sometimes I get that feel where I'm like, I've seen everything that this game yeah. has. It's yeah. just going to keep repeating it, and the numbers are going to go up, and mm-hmm. that's it. And sometimes that is like that is the point. That is yeah. like the rush. But in Anthem's case, like the weapons were really lame. It was just really basic Earthbound stuff, which we know from uh, the Kotaku expose that like the team literally said like we didn't know what we would how yeah. to design yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. that would be interesting in this regard because then it's just not their wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, um, but at the same time, like, yeah, it was just, like, basic rifles, shotguns, pistols, stuff that we've used a million times before. Um, and although the combat is, like, quite meaty, I really like the flight mechanics. Yeah. But then stuff like, well, I like the, the fly, the physics of the flying. But restricting your flying to, like, 10 seconds is ludicrously dumb. Like, when, when that game's selling point is, hey, do you want to be Iron Man? Yeah. Like, yeah. and then you're just, oh, you're overheat because you're in the sky too long. Like, what is that? Just fly through some waterfalls, man. They're never in a position where you can, like, zip through them. They're always, like, a, it's a waterfall, so it's always got a yeah. wall behind it. Yeah. Like, what are you to go like along it like it's it's the weirdest thing like just do do pockets do a sonic underwater pocket of air thing if you need to i don't you know keep I, me in the sky it's, it's a shame Gosh. as well because like the environment i will try to do thank that. you the environment is like it's kind of well it is so good i'm just gonna go out there and say, i was trying to you know hold my punches there but no it is really good i love the way you can go from the ground to air to underwater there's this huge yeah, sense yeah, yeah. of verticality to it there's just nothing there it's yeah. like I, I can't go underwater and explore these caves but why would you want to why would, why would you want yeah. to yeah. you might get another little lore dump that'll tell you about I can't even think of it. The freelancers. Yeah, but then yeah. again, that's another thing that I absolutely bloody hate is when games use their lore as rewards. Like, if, you, if you're trying to do world building, what's the classic thing? Show, don't tell. Like, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Why, why should I have to sit there and read an entire codex to understand the backstory of the world? Yeah. Why not show something like an alien monument or something like that that you're like, wow, that's interesting. I wonder yeah. what that means. Yeah, I think... Well, go on. I was going to say, give me story over mythology. Like, yes, I, yeah. don't, I, I don't want to read a bunch of codex like you were saying, yeah. Jules, just to understand the world when that's not reflected by the game itself. Yeah. Like, they had a great idea about is it the uh, the, the actual anthem the anthem of creation yeah. like the idea that it would change the world and you read about it mm. how it's supposed to be this magnificent like event this earth like world shattering sort of thing mm-hmm. that continually changes the environment but you don't get that in the game so the mythology is there but it's not being used to tell a story or make the I gameplay think, any different conceptually like I mean yeah having finished the story I actually didn't mind the characters they're very bland but they were like inoffensively bland they were like they were fine it was just it was just fine it was mm. like the Power Rangers movie it was fine and so like yeah stuff like the Anthem of Creation the idea of like the voice of God or like the idea of this this force that changes everything it's like old school Bioware is like somewhat still in there mm. um, I don't know if you guys can hear that on the recording but someone with a very loud car was outside yeah. potentially a bike um, but yeah the whole thing with that I think they had all these elements that if they just tied them together like kicking off the ground inverting yourself hanging yourself in mid doing the flight taking some guys out and using the specials and everything there's enough there where it's like you know there's a playable core mm-hmm. but then everything else was compl- like just didn't supplant it whatsoever and then having watched um, the interview with um, Greg Miller and I forget the name of the dude he was talking to from the team at E3 yeah. when they were supposed to be laying out their roadmap 
lap of what's coming. Um, and he just was, yeah, like updates are coming, like, you know, like, oh yeah, we're going to do more sort of DLC. It just, it feels like it's a dead project. And now they walking. feel like, that it does feel like they've just abandoned it in, mm -hmm. in a sense. It's just like, we'll patch it up and then we'll get it through its year and then we'll just call it quits. I think because everyone's expecting that, that they're determined not to. Like, I think, mm. I, I imagine if it's on EA's part, they're like, well, we don't want to suffer the, the really negative press right now because they put that statement about, about they don't want to be the bad guy. Yeah. And it's just like, well, it seems like that's the thing that they're sort of dancing around at the minute is if they just sever Anthem, even though it's dead, like just bury it and put it underground respectfully or whatever. Um, I don't know, what do you guys think? Would you rather they just moved on? Um, for me personally, I don't think that there's enough of the franchise for me to want to come back. I would be interested in if they ever did an Anthem 2 uh, to do mm. it, but I won't be joining on at this late stage, um, even if they made huge progress jumps mm. with it. I feel the same way sort of about Fallout 76. Mm -hmm. I'm going to wait for... You want to play the Battle Royale, mate? Uh, no, I really don't. I'll, no. wait, I'll wait for about a year and a half, see where the game is and if it has changed enough to be substantial. And, mm. you know, they have said that they're adding in all these things like NP and stuff like that then I might jump back in I can't say <laughs> that I will do the same for Anthem because I don't think the gameplay can change enough for me to be invested I'd probably double that as well I've seen I've, I've seen worse games sort of pull themselves around and kind of like recapture an audience No Man's Sky uh, it's, very, no. it's a very That's apt point No Man's Sky was good at launch yeah, no, we'll just, I'm back from my holiday <laughs> <laughs> I've seen worse games like no Man's Sky, pull themselves yeah. back around We're given enough time and Very goodwill. And I feel like, although EA might have fumbled this and Bioware, mm. Edmonton might have fumbled like developing it, it's not those guys necessarily in charge. It's Bioware. Austin's been moved on to the project. I want to mm -hmm. see them succeed. I feel mm. like even in that Kotaku expose, um, people were saying, sources were saying that Bioware, Austin, who have uh, history creating an MMO in Star Wars, The Old Republic, mm -hmm. uh, like they have experience, they know what they're doing, and apparently they were pitching ideas to the, the, the main team and they were just kind of backing them down. So I hope that now they're on board and they have full control, they have the scope to kind of fix it and mm -hmm. make it good. I, just like for their sake, mm -hmm. I want them to turn it around. I don't care about EA if they like recover from no. the... No, no. From like a, I don't what you call it, like a public image perspective I think they need I think to their images, picking on it yeah, yeah it's, it's beyond the point now but I want like the guys who are actually working on it to be given a chance yeah but whether they deserve it I don't know I think yeah. I think yeah I think them as individuals as creatives deserve a shot just based on everything they've worked on in the past but the Bioware that we know and love that we grew up with isn't the same anymore like Casey Hudson's still there but the vast majority of them yeah. have moved on to other projects so you kind of have to wonder like what even because even Dragon Age 4 Casey Hudson already said it's going to be a live service game so it's like well yeah, you're going to do this all yeah. over again yeah. Yeah. Um, so it just it kind of makes me worry about the future of Bioware. I don't think they're ever going to get back to anything remotely worthwhile. But um, I don't know, what do you think about the next generation in terms of, like, is it going to take a generational shift for them, for everyone to reset their expectations with EA, with Bioware? I, I think that in this day and age, um, everyone is more than entitled because of the um, way that games are manufactured to expect a lot from their games. Mm -hmm. It comes down to a point of the hype man versus the reality check, and it's a responsibility for a game publisher to make sure that they are selling their product well, but fairly. Mm -hmm. The amount of times, the only reason that these games are on this list potentially are because they promised something that they couldn't deliver on. Yeah. And I don't like the way that they're doing games of service. I don't like the way that they're saying, well, you'll pay 60 quid for a game and we'll patch it later on. That's not how you should run a business. Yeah. not how you should run an industry. I'm hoping that that is one of the biggest trends or things that I want to go away next generation. Yeah. It has to be that idea of taking what, what should be early access and applying it to the AAA model where you're still asking for yeah. a full premium price um, and you're still advertising it as finished and you know, oh, you can play it two days early and like even for even more money. Yeah. Um, and then the, even that version being, you know, uh, analogous to something that is in actual early access mm, where yeah. it's meant to be a crowdfunded thing or whatever. Well, I don't think they ever will because I think the 
publicity you get from like those day one sales or whatever is far eclipses their desire mm. to be ethical or yeah. make the <laughs> yeah. messaging good. But they should be. There's no real excuse. Uh, every every console other than really kind of like PlayStation now, like Microsoft have their own early access system. Mm-hmm. There's no excuse to like not just admit like okay this is like the start we're going to improve it further down the line rather than just being like you know this is a full price game you'll get your money's worth and also you've got a roadmap because that never ever works anyone who's ever said they've got a roadmap for something like you said earlier <laughs> yeah. has never delivered yeah. it they've always had to fanny about like yeah. doing patches and actually making the game itself work before delivering the extra content it's not a whole package supported by some more juicy stuff mm. it's like you said mm-hmm. it's, it's an early access thing it's the beginning of something mm-hmm. with the promise um, that it will get better later. I don't think that can... You can't justify that anymore. No, I think just... modern game development doesn't allow for that anymore. Like, they mm. work their asses off to get anything out on launch anyway. Yeah. And, it, like, for the most part, the ro- the roadmap thing just feels like the new season pass. It's yeah. just like, well, yeah. we'll get more money out of you up front and then we'll just cancel the game halfway it's, through the year. It always blows my mind how it's just... Because it only... What it hurts the most is like the most diehard gamers who sort of like buy your products day one who yeah. are excited. Those are the guys you're ultimately failing because they get the worst version of yeah, that experience. Literally. Jules, you were saying if you jump into Fallout 76 a year and a half afterwards, you can pick it up for what, yeah. 10 pounds, have all the content, yeah. enjoy it for free, yeah. and then you're getting the best version of yeah. that game. Whereas the people who have invested and have actually supported it at launch get a markedly worse version of that game yeah. and have to put up with all the crap. Well, that's what we had in the, uh, the last podcast. Like, how much value do you put on that like exclusivity window? And like it's a whole separate conversation that like is for each and each uh, different individual. Like I like being part of that initial sort of window, but it is becoming increasingly more just mm. stupidly obvious that the the first version of a game is by far the worst. Um, in literally every single case of games this generation, yep. minus some of the indie stuff. Um, so yeah, so that's what we've got down for the most disappointing games of the year so far. Let us know what you think down in the comments below if you're on YouTube or come find us on social media if you're not. For now though, this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host Scott Taylor, joined by Jules Gill. Bye guys. I'm Josh Brown. Goodbye. I'm catching next time. See ya. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.